Hello, Nicola Murphy. We are the presenters of Fox Force 5 podcast. <laughs> and I, I am Kelly Murphy. What you were going to say, <laughs> we are what? <laughs> I like to mix up my intro every week. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well. All good. Thank you. Yes. Life is grand. <laughs> I have a, like a two day hangover. But other than that, I am well. Oh, a two day hangover. Oh, yeah. You were on holidays, weren't you? Nice. Mm. Nice. On holidays, a.k.a. just off work. <laughs> that didn't actually yeah. go anywhere. Well, we went to Kinmare for one night, but that was it, really. But you had fun? We did, yeah. Well, it was like the worst, obviously, week of weather since, like, I'd say maybe March. So, you know, we got obviously uh, soaked on everything that we did. But it was uh, still pleasant just to not be in work more than anything else. So, yes, I know. I enjoyed yeah, time God. away from work more than anything else. <laughs> it doesn't feel, it never really feels like holidays unless you're getting on a plane and going somewhere, does exactly, it? Exactly, you, know? you know, and I'm not really the biggest, like... Although we always go on like one little Irish holiday a year, but I I would have much preferred to have been jetting off there now to anywhere but Ireland. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but um, no, it was still lovely. It was still nice. Good food and good company. And yeah, it was lovely. And you, how are you? I'm very good. Yes, I am busy, busy, busy. Yeah, we had a fun weekend as well. We met up some friends and... We went to Nana's for a very big, massive, I think probably the biggest meal I've eaten in six months. About oh, yeah. three plates full of bacon and cabbage oh, and potatoes. Oh, my favourite though. Oh, oh it's so good. There's nothing like your mammies cooking in that sense, is there? Mm. Um, and yeah, it was a very nice weekend. Just trying to get a bit of the house packed up and stuff as well, which is a the never ending job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's the, we've created a rod for our own back there. So we're just getting on with it. But um, no, it was all good. I'm sure, we were kept busy last week with the um, semi-finals of the football and then obviously the football on Sunday night. So mm. that was occupying our lives as well. So it was all very entertaining. But um, maybe maybe Italy were the right team to win in the end, but it was just kind of a crap ending at the same time with the penalties and stuff, which uh, yeah. left a bit of a sour taste. I hate penalties. I hate I think it's just so unfair. I'd sooner see them play for three hours till somebody drops know, down. Oh, yeah. Then but penalties. It's, it's just cruel, isn't it? And like, bless the, the guys who missed. Like, they've gotten such backlash as well. So it's horrible. But not yeah, their fault. Yeah. Like, you know, it takes some amount of courage to actually step up for penalty. I don't know how they do it. Like, I also imagine. feel there's an element of luck to it. I know that sounds yeah. ridiculous. And I know these guys are professionals and they train for it and all that. But like, I don't know. It depends on which way the feckin' wind is blowing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, we know totally. these guys know how to kick a goal. We know the goalies know how to save a goal. It's just like, what are the chances? It's almost mm-hmm. like a toss of a coin, you know? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I felt sorry for them as well. But um. anyway, viva Italia. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, I, no, it was good, though, the Euros, actually. It's been nice to have something kind of on the telly. Like, I'm totally. not a soccer fan at all, but... I did find myself like we watched a good few matches at home and stuff and you'd kind of, you know, start picking your teams and you'd have certain teams you'd follow and all that. Like, you know, it was mm-hmm. good. And the but, characters um, emerged. A yeah. Bit yeah. I thought the Italian team were gassed. They had some right yeah. characters like as well. And the Danish team got very popular, I think, because of everything that happened at the start and yeah. all that as well. So, um, yeah, and sure, everyone starts becoming an armchair critic armchair expert exactly, you know on these yeah. things I saw one but, of the uh, Italian was, players was covered in like tattoos of all of the <laughs> characters of Madagascar <laughs> bizarre so random, um, 
we caught like maybe 20 minutes of a program on TV last night about the Olympics. And it was like looking back at the previous Olympics in the last whatever decade or so. Mm. And um, last night was 2008. It was Beijing, you know, and mm. now it's the it's from a UK perspective. But I was glued to it. I was like, I'm not excited for yeah. the Olympics now, you know. Um, now that program is on again. I think it was BBC One next Monday night and it's um, 2012, mm. um, which was such a great year. Like I, I, I still think it was probably the best year of my life. It was just a brilliant year and all that sport was on and it was mm. amazing. Um and yeah, it was really interesting. So I'm getting pumped for the Olympics now, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, it's nice actually to have something else on now soon, you know. And well, like I know the Lions Tour is on at the moment, but it seems to be a bit of a disaster. Plagued. Oh my Plagued. God. I think they were mm. saying like last week there was like 20 members of the squad, South African squad that had COVID. <laughs> like yeah, it's, it's just good. crazy. And apparently like there's so there's 60 million that they put into it. So they just can't cancel the matches. You know, they're not going to cancel Ooh. them. So I know, yeah, because well, they're talking about... Pl- some teams playing each other twice in a row and all that it just sounds like a farce, doesn't it? Yeah, so yeah, don't it's kind of it. it's well, COVID is going kind to of overshadow the whole thing because normally I'd be glued to the Lions tour, and this mm. year I haven't even tuned into any of them. Even like the Ireland matches, Ireland played obviously the USA the other day and Japan the week before and all that. I'd nearly have more interest in that. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's loads of sports. It's been good. It's it just. We don't really still have. And Wimbledon you know, was interesting up to a point yeah. as well, but yeah. Um, more on Wimbledon later. Um, yeah, so it, I think it's that thing of just having a distraction from everyday life. And because some of these tournaments were supposed to happen last year, you know, we're even we're even more starved of this sort of take us out of our little worlds, you know, mm. take us somewhere else. Let us see other people's endeavours and strength. And, mm. you know, like if everyone's looking for a story, you yeah, know, and definitely. these... I mean, in the in the best of times, even watching the Olympics and the football and that is it's it's like the best of humanity. You know yeah. what I mean? You're looking at this people striving for excellence, you know, mm. and I think it's just inspiring in in many ways. And uh, yeah, in 2012, I was inspired to train for a marathon that never happened. <laughs> Maybe I'll take some inspiration. Uh, no, you still ran it. The New York, you still ran it, though, yeah. didn't you? Like around Central uh, Park. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a story for another day. But yeah, trained for the marathon, went to New York and the marathon was cancelled. Never did it since. And I was going to do it this year for my 40th birthday and thank COVID. It's not happening. Slight relief that actually COVID Yeah, maybe slight relief. Maybe next year, maybe for 41, 41. Okay, cool. So we better kick off. This is Fox Force 5. We're going to tell you five things you need to know about this week. And first up this week, number one. One. So more, five more things, five ways bad behavior can benefit you and others. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this article and I was like, I just have to do this. Uh, I have to read this out. So this is pretty much a verbatim article from um, a magazine called The Conversation. And it's written by a guy called, now I edited it a bit because it was very long, but the guy is a lecturer in psychology in Keele University. His name is Richard Stevens. And basically he was kind of looking at how maybe things that are seen as kind of socially unacceptable are actually kind of can be good for you or can help you deal with certain situations. Mm. So uh, this is the research we've been waiting for, Nicola. All of us rebels without a cause out there. Listen up. Now is your time. (laughs) So up first, swearing. 
There are well-documented benefits of swearing, including improving pain tolerance, boosting physical strength and helping social cohesion. A recent study found that swearing can be effective co- an effective coping strategy for dealing with road rage. Hundreds mm. of drivers were shown images depicting three rage-inducing driving scenarios. Being slowed by pedestrians crossing against the lights, being caught up by another driver who fails to acknowledge right away and an illegally stopped car blocking the way ahead. Half were instructed to swear out loud or quietly, while the other half were asked to be silent. After swearing, drivers reported feeling more positive, (laughs) suggesting that swearing can ease road rage. Uh, There are many reasons why swearing, a cheap, readily available, calorie neutral, drug free means of self-help, is number one on this list. Oh, hilarious. I love it. I definitely, definitely swear I would have said it as a part of road rage, but I suppose I've never got out of the car, so maybe it does actually prevent yeah. my road rage. Um, I have to stop myself when the kids are in the car because I'd be like, <laughs> um, it's like it's all that like kind of vent, you know, that everyone, even if it's just mm. a one word vent, it's that you've released that built up, yeah. you know, stress or whatever. It's it's probably that like you know, just that one word vent. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The Irish love to swear as well, don't we? Like oh, swearing God, we is almost swear like a lot, yeah. what are the, what's they call them? Um, they're like there's a word for them, but they're like the words in language that you use to um, bridge. So like am is one of them, oh, and yeah. hmm, and they're just words. Where's that, ours is the curse word, like yeah, mm. the fucking you know or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> this, that kind of we use them as like bridging words, yeah, you know, yeah. which is not great, really. But it's hard um, on the kids, like you know. Oh yeah, it's hard because like we just don't we do it so subconsciously as well. That's why it's mm-hmm. even worse, you know. You're like, oh no. Yeah. Some people would argue it's part of our language that it's not really that negative, but I don't know. Yeah, you still feel conscious of it sometimes. But mm. anyway, uh, number two on this list is drinking. It's widely accepted. There is no safe limit for drinking alcohol, indicating that alcohol is firmly bad in inverted commas. Yet it remains popular and at moderate levels, potentially useful. Take this recent study finding that alcohol can make you a more fluent speaker of a foreign language. Researchers gave vodka and bitter lemon drinks with alcohol content equivalent to one or two bottles of beer to some German students living and studying at a Dutch university. The students were then asked to talk for two minutes in Dutch, their second language, on the topic of animal testing, while their Dutch vocabulary and pronunciation was scored. Their fluency was better compared to a control group given only water. It appears that the relaxing properties of alcohol eased any anxiety associated with speaking a foreign language. Needless to say, moderate amounts of alcohol can also ease social anxiety and make it easier to connect with the people around us. And I always remember when I was in university and I did a course, a languages course, and my uh, my friends before they went to their orals used to go for a drink always yeah. because they felt mm. like they were just did a bit better when they were had a bit of a libation in them. And, it takes the um, edge off, doesn't it? Like I, I remember a few off. times being in a taxi with a Spanish uh, taxi driver and like you know feeling like I was very fluent in Spanish also. <laughs> Hola, señor, cómo estás? <laughs> Hilarious. That's definitely the case, I think. Yeah, you do. It's just, I suppose it's inhibition, isn't it? Is it? I mean, you're afraid you'll get yeah. it wrong. I mean, and then you're not afraid you'll get it wrong. Think you know? back to so. like, even when I think still, the worst part of leaving search for me was the orals. Oh my God. Like, so, you know, thinking back to now, maybe if I did have a glass of something going in there, it would have been better. <laughs> Although we were only 17 or 18 at the time. But like, oh, oh was, my God, the nightmare of the orals. It was a ter- it's terrible. Like, oh 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, probably, yeah. Probably shouldn't be advertising that to underage, but definitely in uni it was a thing. Now, God, I don't think you could ever admit to that either going into an exam. Like, but um, <laughs> you can see why people do it, certainly. Absolutely. Uh, next on this list is being bored. Amazingly, boredom is a universal human experience. Everyone finds themselves bored from time to time. Psychologists say it's, a, it's simply a feeling of having no intention or purpose and unsuccessful desire to engage in the world, rather like being in limbo. But what's the point of feeling like this? One answer is that boredom compels us to try and establish meaning, which can trigger creativity. One study has shown that deliberately making people bored by watching dull videos like someone hanging out clothes produces measurably improved performance of subsequent creativity tasks. So actually, boredom may be a state to be embraced as a condition of possibility and opportunity. Do you know what I compare this to? You know, the way some people watch like Mrs. Hinch and all that stuff, you know, where they're like folding Mm. things and putting things away and Mm. all that stuff. That is probably, maybe that has a kind of a inspirational effect on people. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that. Like it could be like sanding a piece of wood. I see Journal sometimes watches this guy. He's like redoing a chateau in France. But like, it is not exciting. It is like your man cutting off pieces of wood and sending down pieces of wood but it's like therapy or something it's like he's so mm. completely and he's happy as Larry watching it whereas I'd yeah. be like oh my god I need to run out of here <laughs> yeah or like yeah the whole Mrs. Hinch thing and the organizing and all that like people yeah. love all that I guess if you're really into it as well you know it's yeah. like watching the kids watching other kids playing with toys it's like that's so weird you could just play with your own toys but I think <laughs> more people are probably more bored than others you know like I think it kind mm. of depends on your you know, what you're doing. Like, you know, you with two kids, do you actually have time to be bored? Like, you know, bored? I feel like... what is it? Exactly. What is bored? You know, I think it's definitely yeah. more of a younger thing. Like, you know, and I think it feels like, a, like... It a, almost feels like a kind of a self-obsessed thing to say, I'm bored. Like, yeah. the world owes me entertainment. I'm yeah. bored. You know, it does seem like mm. a teenager kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Or teenager, teenager, like mm. our early 20s, that kind of vibe where it's like, is there not 10 million things to do? And sure, if I remember when we were small, if you said that in our house, you'd nearly get <laughs> yeah. people like given a job straight away. Sure, since, since the advent of the mobile phone, you literally cannot say yeah, it on board. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which anyway, is terrible for all pick up the phone. I know. Stage, Next up is being stupid. Believe it or not, there may be an upside to being stupid <laughs> or at least being willing to embrace how stupid feels. This is kind of complex, this argument now, and I'm not totally for it. But basically... This woman says, they tell a story about meeting up with an old acquaintance and she had changed from being a scientist to a lawyer. And she told him that it was because science made her feel stupid. And then he was thinking about Mm -hmm. it afterwards and he was like, actually, you know, it can be unclear you're getting the right questions to answers or answers to the questions in science. And he said, not having all the answers forces us to confront our absolute stupidity. If you can accept this feeling, it can become liberating, helping you muddle through and tolerate mistakes along the way, buoyed by the possibility of amazing discoveries. This is also true outside of science. It can be motivating to challenge or or even doubt yourself from time to time. Research, Research shows that most of us are in fact overconfident in our abilities, which can get in the way of learning and developing that makes us smarter in the long run. So I think what basically Mm -hmm. they're trying to say is if you kind of admit that you don't know it all or that you're not that clever and that you kind of endeavour to learn more and try harder, that that is good for you. (laughs) Kind of complex. And this is my favourite of the five. 
making social transgressions. Perhaps the ultimate kind of bad behaviour is social transgression. Killing another person is, of course, very (laughs) harmful bad (laughs) behaviour. Is it fair to say that a little social transgression is necessary to break free of a potentially endless cycle of etiquette and pointlessness? In a wonderful study, researchers dared hundreds of undergraduate students to go into the world, break a minor social norm and record the consequences. One ran up a downward escalator in a shopping centre, another lowered their car window and sang loudly and another sat next to an old lady in an otherwise empty bus. The escalator prank did not go down well, drawing glares of disapproval, but passerbys cheered and joined in with the automotive singing and the old lady welcomed the opportunity to chat. Overall, when all the examples were logged and categorised, only a minority of the transgressions were negatively received, about 35%. There is something to be said for low-level social transgression as a tool for breaking free of convention and prompting some genuine human warmth and interaction. And I was thinking about this. It's like, you know, when you see teenagers or freshers in college going around and they've got like a sign that says free hugs yeah <laughs> you know? yeah oh, so stuff, different yeah. and kooky let's have a free hug <laughs> or um even flash mobs you know it's yeah. the same thing it's like mm. out of the norm and not what you'd expect and or even somebody like we were we were at we went out for coffee on saturday we went down there's a little coffee shop at the race course in killarney and there was a group of women and a couple of men, maybe in their sort of 70s, sitting around mm. having a coffee. And they were having a right old laugh. And next thing, they just started singing. All of them. Aww. Um, so I think it was Say a Little Prayer for Me. It was lovely. And it was just so cute. And they only sang a couple of verses of it or whatever. But that that would be like a social transgression yeah, to an definitely. extent, you know. Um, yeah, that was, and us, um, was like, outside Ziggy's on Sunday night. Um, <laughs> they were playing Let Us Play Music on the jukebox, you know, and like it was being oh, pumped yeah. outside where we were sitting. Oh, Jesus, I was belting out Lady Gaga at one point. And then we had um, Radiohead. And yes, we had a, we were belting it out in this little side street in Cork I'd say people were like oh my god <laughs> what's going on the but liberation is amazing isn't it it's very therapeutic yeah. I have to say I loved it <laughs> sure we haven't heard music or anything like that in so long and anyway, everyone was just dying for yeah. a bit of a sing song but it was good crack and then what also happens in those situations is it's infectious and like other people just start yeah. singing and stuff as well you know <laughs> People are ready for it. People are ready to lose their minds. Like they're yeah. ready for it. You know, it was like the one night we had a get together here a few months ago and everyone completely lost their mind because yeah. we hadn't been together or drinking or whatever for so long. Mm. But anyway, there'll be plenty of that over the next wee while. So, yeah, I just thought that was all very interesting. So go out there and rebel, people. Woo-hoo. Rock on. Number two. Two. So this week, you might have seen some clips of this show on Celebrity Gaga Box. Did you watch it on the yep. weekend? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is um, Sex Life on Netflix. So oh I God, it looks <laughs> so, so, so bad. So bad. So it is absolutely terrible. <laughs> but I thought but I'd talk like about it because... terrible in a Love Island way where it's so no, bad at school? Or... No, no. I'm a bit disappointed in Love Island. We'll come back to that in a minute. But um, mm. no, it's just like Mills and... Boom, isn't that? Is that the Mills and Boone? Mills and Boone, yeah. Those books, yeah. Like Dirty that, novels. But yeah. on like acid is uh, what this show is like. And it's so sexy. Like, as in, it's so dirty. Like, Jesus Christ, it's so dirty. And I was wondering, like, how are they doing all of this? They're actually a real life couple, the main character, and like, it's her oh. former boyfriend that she's kind of starts to 
fantasize yeah. about and wants to get back together with and all this but um yeah so listen like you know if you just want a bit of I don't know a bit of entertainment <laughs> <laughs> you know, your life is at the moment <laughs> Jesus it's it's I'd say what I would call like you know medium board because it's definitely <laughs> not soft or I, I saw the clip on Gogglebox all right where your man turns around and shows us his uh yeah manhood yes, and the exactly. size of it and it's completely unnatural and unrealistic and <laughs> just mad but like there's so many people, bigger than a baby's arm yeah there's so many people talking about it they're like it's the worst show ever but i just have to watch it to the end so if you're looking for something yeah. i was going to say fill a hole but that kind of sounds wrong maybe oh. <laughs> <laughs> pardon the pun um no it mm. did look that that bit i saw i was just like but at the same time i can i, I know what you're talking about like it's so bad you're kind of enthralled yeah in it. Like, exactly you know like what is this and what is this about and why are they doing this yeah um, it's kind of like yeah. sure when 50 shades is out that like obsession with it because it was just like yeah. you know so raunchy oh God, that and was so, so terrible as well. and all that but um so i only watched the first couple of episodes but apparently in episode three there's a it escalates all together so I, i'll get back to you next week when i watch the rest of it it was definitely a threesome <laughs> on the way because i thought your man was going to get off with your man in the shower but then it was more just an old pause and pause at the size of his schlong to be honest <laughs> but there's that yeah. and then um, Virgin River season 3 is back did you watch that at all the first no. two seasons it's nice actually no. um, it's a bit like not much happens in it although they you know kind of trying to sell it that lots happens in it but not really but mm. it's a harmless watch so that's back as well it came back on Friday so mm. other than that it was all the Euros and a bit of Love Island so well, Love do you know Island. what I watched um Sorry, Love Island. Yeah, actually, I'm working sort of on another podcast about Love Island. Oh, um, hilarious. And it's actually quite good. So check it out if you're a Love Island fan. It's called Sunburned. You find us on Spotify. And um, it's two of our TV writers just write, just talking about it, basically. But they're funny, Ian and Chelsea. But they were kind of saying they were a bit disappointed mm, with it as well. Yeah. That, you know, they were talking about diversity and all this. They haven't really delivered on that. And yeah, and I think last week there want... was an awful lot of like toxic masculinity. Like it's only been on for two weeks, and it was just like the the women are just kind of bending over backwards to try to like make these men happy, and like they're the men are doing nothing for these women, you know. And like mm-hmm. even to the day, yeah, it just got to a point where it's like, what is going on here? Like I'm kind of concerned for the younger women of today that they were just taking all this shite, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like not standing up for themselves or any of that stuff. And they put out a really strong female early on as well. Yeah, they did, it? yeah. Mm-hmm. But they were saying they might try and bring her back. Yeah. yeah, and there's like a new guy in now and there was a few clips and it was my first time seeing like one of the guys even talk to the girls. You literally don't even see them talking to each other that much. It's so weird. And like not many of them are not that like likable yet, you know, so you're kind of waiting for, you know, like the more Higgins to kind of pop out like a good character to come in to kind of, you know, mm. take over a little bit, but yeah, it's not great. But look, I'll still continue to watch. It I wonder if they ca- if they're kind of producing it a bit di- a bit differently now because maybe they're trying to avoid conflict and stuff. Maybe mm, there was a bit uh, of conflict sure that's last what it's week. All about, isn't yeah, it? and like mm. one of the girls, one of the girls, um, like took another fell off another girl already and all that. Like, and that girl's already not very liked. But there's a couple's vote to date, so somebody'll be going now tonight or tomorrow. So. That might help okay. things and move along. But yes, tell me what you've been watching. Um, Nothing major, but we watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is well, on yeah, Netflix now. Yeah, it's on now. Netflix now, yeah. Yeah, good. at the weekend. And I really enjoyed it. it it's it's such a t- typical 
Quentin Tarantino film, yeah. you know, where you're like, where is this going for I a lot of it, you know? Yeah. But sure, anything with Brad Pitt anyway, to be honest. And um, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio is good in it as well. And the, just the dynamic. Yeah. And you just always know there's little devices that Quentin Tarantino uses. You're watching the whole film for what is that about or whatever, yeah. you know? Um, and the music is great. And the, the you know, all the the fashion and the sets yeah, and are stylish. really good so mm. yeah and of course there's a massive bloodbath at one point in the thing which is like way overdue by the time it comes but um but it's brilliant so, though i mean the take on the whole story is very interesting like i loved it it's excellent yeah, yeah. I, I mean i i mean i knew nothing about it yeah. so from the start i was going what how is this going so basically you meet sharon tate who mm. was an actress in the 70s who actually got murdered by Charlie Manson's followers and she's in the film so you kind of think it's going to end up with her getting murdered by Charlie Manson's followers and I won't give it away but you spend the whole film kind of going where is this going and it feels like it's not really the same as what the story was in real life and blah blah and it's not but um it's just it's it's just good it's it's more a commentary on 70s Hollywood than anything yeah, you know I really enjoyed um, it that's what I thought but it was I really, really enjoyed it. I don't think it's for everybody I did Not hear some everybody. people at the time being like that was such a waste it's long as well isn't it it's like two and a half it's really hours, long three, yeah. three hours long yeah. And I think if you're not a Quentin Tarantino fan already, you would struggle with it, maybe. Mm. Um, because you kind of need to know what his films are like mm. and his style is like, you know. But um, yeah, really enjoyed it. So that was that. We'll move along. Number three. Three. So Fox of the Week this week was inspired by all the recent sport we were just talking about. Uh, the tennis last week and the impending avalanche of sport that is the Olympics uh, our fox is none other than the majestic Serena Williams oh she'd have had uh, all Wimbledon bless her she wasn't happy she did I wonder if she's going to retire now there's a big question well, that's kind of why it. I wanted to have her on this yeah. as well this week because she's still unreal to be coming to these tournaments and stuff you know mm. but um, she was born on the 26th of September 1981 uh, I am three days older than her Um Ooh. And she's the youngest of five girls and actually has some more siblings on her father's side. So she's got lots of, she's got a big family. Uh, She was homeschooled by her father and started playing tennis when she was just four years old. Her family moved to Florida when she was nine so she could attend the Rick Matchy Tennis Academy. When she was 10, they slowed down with the tournaments and training as she wanted to take it slowly and focus on schoolwork. Obviously, her sister Venus was going through something similar as well. She's also experienced racism at tournaments, which impacted on their desire to be involved, which is very sad. She began to compete in tournaments in 1995, but it wasn't all plain sailing. And it was a few years before she and her sister were winning and entering the top seeded rankings. In August 2003, Serena underwent knee surgery. And in September, her half-sister, Yutunde Price, was murdered in Los Angeles, California. In the following year, she became burned out, plagued by injuries and just a general lack of motivation to stay fit or compete at the same level she once had. She she slumped to rank of 139. In 2008, she made a comeback and won the US Open. By 2009, she reclaimed her place atop the world's rankings, winning both the 2009 Australian Open for the fourth time and Wimbledon for the third time. She's known for her powerful and consistent serve. Her forehand is considered to be among the most powerful shots in the women's game. And she has produced some spectacular comebacks in Grand Slams. She has won 23 Grand Slam Jesus. titles, the most by any player in the Open era. She's currently ranked 16th in the world, but she has been seeded number one on numerous occasions. 
She ranks third for the longest held number one position behind Steffi Graf and Martina Navratilova. She's regarded as one of the greatest tennis players of all time. She holds the most Grand Slam titles in singles, doubles and mixed doubles. She's the most recent player to have won a Grand Slam title on each surface in the one year, hard clay and grass, and that was in 2015. The accolades and records go on and on and on and on. You could take up a whole podcast talking about her accolades alone. Mm. She's married to Alexis Ohanian, who is the Reddit co-founder. Oh, which wow. I did not know. I didn't know that. Yeah. She had her first baby, Olympia, in September 2017 and it transpired she had won the Australian Open when she was eight weeks pregnant. She suffered complications around the birth and in 2018 she um, revealed that she had suffered from postpartum depression. Her daughter is already spending time on the courts and has a personal coach. Watch out world. She's passionate about health, confidence and fitness and has been an enthusiastic advocate for women's equality. She's had deals with Puma and Nike and has also started her own line with the Home Shopping Network. Her charity, the SW Foundation, has helped fund a school in Kenya, donated money to fight AIDS in Africa, given scholarships to underprivileged children and has helped bring awareness to breast cancer. In 2016, she wrote an open letter in Porter magazines entitled Incredible Women of 2016 to speak about gender equality and her personal struggles as a woman in tennis. She noted that women's contributions to the sport of tennis are not recognised in the way men's contributions are recognised. She also called out issues of equality, sorry, yeah, equal pay in tennis. She ended the letter stating that she hoped that her letter would inspire a new generation of women to push for greatness and follow their dreams with steadfast resilience. She received several awards for for her activism, namely those directed towards black communities. She was listed among the 35 most remarkable and beautiful black women in the world by Essence magazine. And uh, fun fact, she and her sister Venus are minority shareholders in the Miami Dolphins football team. And in addition to this, she, along with mostly female media figures and actresses, have set up a whole new female soccer team, which is due to start playing Next year in the National Women's Soccer League in the US. I don't think we've heard the last of her. She's a tour de force, that woman. And uh, I hope she's got a few more tournaments left in her. Yes, 39 now. So yeah, everybody likes watching her. Like she's very, she's like charismatic and, you know, and she wears all the unreal outfits as well. And she was kind of, you know, rich. Did you see she had a train? She had a train on her, uh, 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 over her white. A train, like like you'd have with a wedding dress, like oh a train. God, yeah. no, <laughs> oh, Go for it, like why not? I was reading actually when I was researching about her, there was a bit about how when they were playing as teenagers herself and Venus, mm. they used to have all these beads in their hair, you know, mm. as like kind of um, dress in their hair, you know, these yeah. little beads, but they used to sometimes fall off and scatter across the court and stuff and they used to get really criticised for it. So there was a lot of controversy around that and sort of that cultural identity and, you know, people were saying it was racist the commentary on the yeah, tv and stuff mm. when they when they talked about it because it was their choice to wear their hair like that you know it was their yeah. culture to wear their hair like that and people were kind of seizing on it as d- a distraction and all yeah. this kind of stuff and they've put up with a lot of shit over the years you know mm. both as women and as black women you know so um fair play to them that they've kept going and succeeded so much and i think they were they had a kind of a fairly unconventional upbringing in the sense that their father was their coach for most of their lives and they didn't ever stay in any of these academies very long and they yeah. had periods where they were, didn't play which was kind of unheard of mm. if if you were training to be the best kind of thing. You could like you know? bounce back into it again it's kind of mad as well like it's such a sign of like their you know 
probably like mental strength and physical strength and all that. Like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And natural ability as well. Yeah. She'll play at Wimbledon. So She'll probably play in the Olympics, will she? I wonder. I don't know. I don't she normally know. do. She normally did mm-hmm. the last few years, all right. But mm-hmm. yeah, hmm, roll on the Olympics again. But yeah, she's some woman. And Wimbledon was was good. But like, you know, it's always the same now and the men. It's always like Djokovic and Federer and stuff. It's kind of nice to see other people coming through the Oh, the and Murray played a couple of tough games. We watched them. Yeah. Um, bless him. We were hope, holding out hope for him. But he's had a hip surgery. Yeah. So he's like recovering from that. And oh, some of like Federer and even Nadal, like they're just, Getting, getting old, old now and their bodies yeah. just can't I love hack it Nadal, anymore. Like, I love him. Oh, <laughs> He's love my favourite. But yeah, they're definitely getting a bit old. But I think that kind of... They, for Tennis was really big there for like 10, 15 years. And like now lately, I don't think it's as big. But then you see Wimbledon and see how popular it was. So maybe it's just something we're not that into it. But yeah, there was a few, mm. few years there of like highly entertaining stuff. But mm-hmm. great characters as well involved. Well, I suppose it was... A lot of it was Federer versus Nadal for yeah. a few years, wasn't it? And then mm. you had... Murray and Djokovic coming up behind them yeah, and stuff but yeah, yeah they're not the last we've seen of them either yeah. but I think Djokovic is going to dominate for another while isn't he mm. so right over to you Nicola number four four for the first time this week I'm actually going to talk about a podcast <laughs> so but everyone you can listen to this other podcast but just make sure you listen to our podcast first, <laughs> first. okay because then you won't know what podcast to listen to of course because <laughs> you don't hear our podcast so um I kind of accidentally stumbled upon this. So obviously, you know, I, I know I have run, but enough that I love true crime things. But mm. this is kind of a different take on the whole true crime podcast, I think. So what it is, it's called The Opportunist. So some people might have seen it or heard of it. It's made by Cast Media uh, in the US. Um, the presenter is called Hannah May, I think, Hannah May. Um and they have two seasons, so they're short. So it's just like four or five episodes per season. So it's kind of nice because it's kind of, you know, you just listen to like the story over a few episodes and then you're done, you know, and then they'll release mm. another one in a couple of months or whatever. Um, the reason it's called The Opportunist is because it's all about people who take opportunity and like, you know, their place in society, that they take, use that to their opportunity, basically. Mm. Um so the first story they talk about, which actually wasn't as good, I preferred the second series, but the first series is all about this um, woman who started kind of leading a cult online. So she had like a radio, digital radio station and lots of people started tuning in and they like basically started to create this cult around this woman. Um, and I'm trying to think of her blooming name. Is it Shirley? Shirley? Sherry Schreiner is the name of that lady. So it's all about how these people were involved in this cult, cult name. and somebody, a few people died, whether through taking their own lives and some actual person was shot. And it's kind of all goes back to her and like the messages that she was putting into these people's heads and all this stuff. So it's mm. very interesting. It's only, I think that one's a bit longer. It's about eight episodes long. Um, but they just go through like her. They talk to all these people that were influenced by the cult, kind of what had happened, their family members, all this stuff. Really, really, really interesting. But the second season, I think, is absolutely brilliant. It was only out. They, uh, the first one came out in June, so it's finished now. But it's about this guy called Robert Courtney, and he was a pharmacist in the States in Kansas City. And in 2001, um basically it starts with this guy who was a sales rep for Eli Lilly, the pharmaceutical company Mm -hmm. was that like kind of a schmoozing kind of event 
talk to the receptionist or maybe another doctor was the receptionist in a medical practice and kind of just made a comment that oh you're not buying that much of blah 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 from us anymore mm-hmm. and the receptionist was kind of like really we should be buying all that like we're getting a true Robert Courtney the pharmacist but that should all be coming from me you know originally so then mm. this guy started to look into it and brought it to the doctor of this of the practice that there was you know mm-hmm. there should their uptake of that certain drug it was a chemotherapy drug should have been a lot higher than what it was so then she started get, getting very suspicious and tested some of the bags of it's like it's it's a funny one because I didn't know that, that you could do this but basically you can self-administer some forms of chemotherapy drugs and they mm-hmm. do in the states but mm-hmm. what was happening is this guy was diluting the chemotherapy drugs <gasps> down to like 15 and 20 percent of what it should have been so and selling it on and selling it on so giving it to the doctor oh my God. and then the doctor was giving it to her patients so the doctor starts to kind of have, obviously, you know, these worries. So she gets it tested and yeah, they find out that it's only 10, 15, 20% of the actual medicine in these bags. So then it turns into a much bigger deal. The FBI gets involved, all that stuff, and he's arrested. But this guy, like strange kind of character, but like white middle-class, lots of money, like millionaire. And it's all about kind of him and how they discover it and what he did. And he's obviously arrested and they look into it. And then, you know, they find out that hundreds of people died from not getting the proper chemotherapy medicine, but that's like all kind of discussed in the first couple of minutes. So it's not spoiling it, but I would highly recommend listening to it. It was so interesting. And like, I just as somebody who really enjoys true crime stuff, Mm -hmm. it's very well done. So it's the opportunist. And like I said, that's the second season all about um, Robert How many episodes in that season? second season, there's five. And the first season, there's eight. They're short. Yeah, I kind of like, yeah, that's a bit longer. I kind of like those, you know, short series that are like two or three. You know, they're nice to dip in Mm. and out of. Um, even a bit longer actually I, that one who was George Gibney from last year was yeah, brilliant that brilliant short one Oscar, um, yeah. but there's loads of them yeah because sometimes it's hard to commit to ongoing podcasts like even though please commit to our ongoing podcast <laughs> um, but you know what I mean it, like yeah. sometimes I find that I kind of binge 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 and stuff and then I drop it and then I go back to a few months later and binge 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 you know yeah but it, um, I think it's more like reading a book isn't it like with those sort of ones mm. that are only a few episodes but yeah um, yeah interesting and like one part there I was just listening they did kind of an epilogue one and they were talking about he had twin boys this Robert Courtney guy and they named both the twin boys Robert Courtney oh my god there's Isn't definitely that a sign so of... weird <laughs> I just ego. thought that was like the weirdest thing but, definitely a sign of egomania yeah absolutely but it's um really interesting and then like even in the epilogue they go through like could this, this happen now you know and still could there's only certain states that basically go and test all the labs and stuff like that and it's it's fascinating like what kind of a conscience that guy have that yeah. allowed him oh, to let those people die and his own you mother know, had died as bad of as a serial killer yeah and they say that like he is a serial killer but they can't put that label on him because they can't fully prove that the reduction of the drugs basically led to those people passing away but oh, like geez. i mean more it's extremely likely that they did you know people who had small like issues that had already had surgery and were told okay a few mm-hmm. rounds of chemotherapy and you should be fine and then mm-hmm. they get worse and worse and they died like you know so what? but it's Ugh. fascinating very interesting so if you're looking for something to pass a bit of time then definitely check it out after you listen to fox first five of course <laughs> exactly okay number five five 
25. So you're going to like this this week, Nicola. Uh, this week marks 25 years since... <gasps> Spice Girls! Yeah! <laughs> Wannabe! The era-defining hit has found a spot in our hearts and who could forget that video? <laughs> Both raucous and wholesome. The Spice Girls crashed into our lives out of nowhere, it seemed, and would go on to produce hit after hit and challenge the boys' club of a male-dominated music industry. So yes, this week... 25 years ago, 1996, Wannabe came out. Uh, Heat Management put an an ad in the UK trade magazine, The Stage, looking for streetwise, outgoing, ambitious and dedicated (laughs) girls. The girls recorded Wannabe with Richard Standard and Matt Rowe and it took less than an hour, would you believe? And it it was the girls themselves that were responsible for the zigazaga hook that is in it. So it skyrocketed to number one and spent seven weeks atop the chart. It was a hit in America the following year where it was number one for four weeks. It reached number one in 37 countries and sold more than 7 million copies wow. worldwide. They've released Wannabe 25, a four-track EP to celebrate the occasion, which includes an unreleased demo of Wannabe and a song called Feed Your Love, which has not been released previously mm. either. Um, And on Instagram, a post... This week, which was credit to Melanie Chisholm, Jerry Horner, Melanie Brown, Victoria Beckham and Emma Bunton said, we believe there is a Spice Girl in all of us and we want you to join us on a trip down memory lane. We want to see you singing your heart out, showing off your best dance moves and hear how you've been inspired, influenced and excited by everything people power. Yay for the Spice people. (laughs) Because, you know, they say now it's uh, people power, not girl power, you know. Yeah. Oh, like, I love them. Really? <laughs> I still love them. <laughs> ah, yeah, it's fab. It's fab. I wonder, so, will they tour 25 again? Years. Yeah, there's talk of it, you know, but like Victoria's well, not going to join them. Victoria didn't go with them the last time, did no, she? No, no. No. But like, she's know. making her own money and stuff, but oh, it was brilliant. I went to see them that time. Was it 2019 or 2018? I was kind of sorry I didn't go, even though I was never a huge fan of theirs oh, when they no, were around. Oh, brilliant. But because I've icons. never been surrounded by more women or gay men in my entire life. It yeah, was just the, love. the atmosphere and the love and the crack. Like, I remember we went up on the train and there was like a guy on the train, like he was a hairdresser, like doing all his friend's hair on the train. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it was just, yeah. that was from start to finish. It was just the vibe. Was so lovely that, like, even mm-hmm. if the concert was crap, I didn't really mind. No, the concert was still good, like, the sound wasn't great, but like, yeah. I loved it all because I would have been a big Spice Girls fan. But hopefully, they tour again. Oh, because I do think like it did help for sure, help some women have maybe more, like, you know, bit of a mm-hmm. bit of spice in their life Confidence. than they would have done before, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so oh, I was thinking about that thing we went to, um, the sing along social before, oh, yeah. Lizzo. Lizzo as well. That was full of like women and gay men as well. We had a right all session, didn't yeah, we? Like yeah, it was great, great crack. crack. More of that kind of singing and gestures and dancing. And oh yeah, it was brilliant. It's brilliant, all about brilliant, like brilliant. loving yourself and feeling empowered. And, you know, like obviously there are still like bands today and, and like girl bands and all that. And that, you know, kind of try to deliver that message. But they really did like deliver that mm-hmm. message. You know, that was their mm-hmm. ethos. And I feel like it was a bit... A, you know, before their time, you know, mm-hmm. seeing as we're yep. still fighting gender inequality and all that stuff. Like, and I know mm-hmm. it's only the Spice Girls, but still they did their their part in it, I think. So totally. I yeah. agree. I agree. So well done, Spice Girls. And Ooh. congratulations on 25 years since Wannabe. I don't think we'll ever see them releasing music again, but another tour would be good. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. That's at it. That, actually, they, um, 
you could kind of tell that Mel B and Mel C just didn't really like each other at all. <laughs> so I don't really? know who they actually tore. So who knows? But yeah. Sure, it's one of these things it gets like 10 years after the last one. They're like, we could do with the money, you know, and after yeah, they go yeah, again. They like, might you do know, it so again, I think money is the biggest motivating factor usually like, you know, so mm. um. But yeah, no, I would definitely try to go to the next one. Although tickets were fairly scarce, I think, the last time, if memory serves me correctly. Gosh, can you but, um, but then again, as you said a couple of weeks ago, we would go to the opening of an envelope now. So, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> whatever, whatever tours are coming our way. So that's the crack. We have we are going on our Holly Bobs to Cork Woo! this week. So Nicola will be playing hostess to us and our madness and uh we might even do a bit of uh, shopping and we might do a little bit of hanging out in the sun. It's going to be scorchio <laughs> and we're going to be just like having a good time and holidays. Holidays from Clarny to Cork and our holidays for two days. Yay. <laughs> ah, it's been nice though. Can't wait. It's just the change of scenery, I think. It's such a, it's the biggest Oh my God, Estelle is pumped. Estelle's like, holidays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless her. Yeah, no, I'm really looking so. forward to having you here and it's supposed to be roasting. So we'll have the barbecue out. Uh, won't, Get the fact of 50. Won't need the old t-shirt I'd say will we go around and uh, yeah I'm really looking forward to it so we might do like a little painting farm on the beach or something and yeah yeah fabulous sounds lovely yeah sounds lovely so everybody remember um tell your friends about this podcast we need new listeners we love new listeners we want people to hear the crack and enjoy the crack with us and learn five things they need to know every week you'll find us on all the various podcast platforms and um yeah thanks for listening we really appreciate it and uh, we'll talk to you next week thanks everybody you need to know thank Thank you. you bye bye